0: Welcome to the show. Today it's Wednesday on Acknowledged Dogs, which means it's Working Dog Wednesday. We're going to break down all of the things that you need to know to have a great canine partner and be the best handler for your dog possible. Let's jump into it. Welcome, guys and gals. Today we're talking about the selection of the right dog. A close friend of mine is getting a Belgian Malinois soon. And so it gave me the idea, I should talk about the selection of the right dog, making sure what you have is exactly what you need when you're out in the field, when you're out at work, or if you're doing competitions and other things like that with a working line kind of dog. So there's three main things you need to consider when you're, t- when you're thinking about getting a working dog, okay? The first thing you need to consider is what the purpose of the dog is. If you don't know what the purpose is, but you plan to get a working line dog, then you're going to be in for quite the ride, okay? If you think you're going to get a dog and then decide once you get it what you're going to do with it, you're going to be behind the eight ball, and your dog's going to know that, (laughs) right? Your dog's going to know that you don't know what you're thinking and what you're talking about, and they're going to cause you a lot of problems. You have to know what you're going to do with the dog, okay? This goes for anybody, but particularly when you're getting a working dog. You need to know what your purpose is. Otherwise, you're going to be wasting your time. So first, write out everything that you want this dog to be able to do. And include home life. okay? Because that's going to play a part later on. So, do you want your dog to track? Do you want them to bite? Do you want them to do uh, scent work? Do you want them to do search and rescue? What do you want them to do? Do you want them to do agility? Right? Let's say they were going to be a working dog and now they're not. And are they still good for agility? Can you they, can you do DISC with them? Because you're going to have to do all these exercises with them anyway. So the first is determining what your purpose is for getting this dog. If you don't have a purpose, find a purpose, then get the dog. Don't get the dog and then get the purpose. There's the wrong way to do it. You have to have some reason for getting this dog. Otherwise, you're going to not have The motivation to get up every day and put in the work with them. You have to put in the work every single day. If you don't put in the work, you're not going to have the dog that you want. They're going to cause problems if you don't exercise them. If you don't get their brain stimulated, they will cause problems. They will ruin your house. They will ruin your furniture. They will ruin you. Maybe your marriage. And I don't want any of that for you. So I'm being up as, as straight as I can with you you got to have a purpose for your dog. And you have, You might even want to have a system in place before you get the dog as to how you're going to go through training. What's your training regimen? Before you even get the dog, you should decide all of this. All right? We're going to do obedience for the first two months before we even do bite work, before we do anything, which is what you should do. Obedience should be first before all else, before the tricks, before the frisbee, before the fun, because obedience is what you can go back to. I talk about this in almost every podcast. Obedience is what you can go back to. So set up an obedience plan at least when you first get the dog. That way, while you're doing your obedience, you can start to plant out your other stuff. But you need to have a purpose in place. What's the purpose for the dog? It should not just be cuddling. If you have a working dog, you should not have a dog that will cuddle with you for hours and hours on end and sleep on the couch. They might do that, but that should not be their main purpose if you're getting a working dog find the purpose. Find the purpose first. That's going to determine everything else. So that's number one, find their purpose. I think I've said that enough. Number two, you have to pick the right energy level. And I do not mean get the most crazy, wild, overly excited dog you can possibly imagine. That is not what you should do. That's what everyone else is going to tell you to do. They're going to say, yeah, you need a dog that's, that has high drive, that has a lot of excitement. No. You do not need that, okay? That's going to cause more problems for you later on. And you're going to resort to correcting the dog to try to shut them down because you can't handle that speed. We don't want to be correcting our dogs. We want them to have confidence. And if we have to shut them down because they're too fast for us, then we break their confidence. You want a dog that's confident and capable of handling themselves in situations where you are not there. Right? If you're doing bite work, you might send them on a track. They'll find the person, and when they bite them, you might not be there for two to three minutes, depending on how far away they are. So you need this dog to be confident enough by themselves to handle themselves in this situation. Okay, Maybe it feels like three minutes, but it's really not. Either way, you need to make sure your dog is confident, and shutting them down because they have too high of energy is not going to help. So you have to select the right dog. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The other part about selecting the right dog is that breeders will breed dogs that people buy. Okay, So you are financially rewarding breeders for selecting overly excited dogs. In most cases, the excitement that those dogs have is unnecessary because it does not allow itself to have a clear level head, which is particularly important when we are talking about bite work. And doing obedience. If you're doing bite work and your dog cannot focus clearly, you're going to have a problem with bite work on the street. Or, again, you're going to have to shut that dog down in order to get compliance. And the way I'm talking right now is exactly how you guys are going to be talked to if your dog is too crazy. Someone's going to be yelling at you. You have to shut that dog down. You have to get compliance from them. They're not listening. That's not what we want. We want a dog that's confident, eager to please, and has a level head so that they can listen and perform appropriately, even when excited. So I made a podcast about a little while ago. I'll probably make a podcast soon in the future, again, about the York stocks and Law. Basically, excitement and focus is correlated. There's a relationship between them. If there's too much excitement, they can't have focus. If there's not enough excitement, we can't have focus. There needs to be the right amount of excitement for the right amount of focus. So if you're selecting a dog and their energy level is absolutely through the roof, they're not going to be able to focus. But if you select a dog that's energy level is slightly calmer, but when you pull out a ball or a tug toy, they get super serious. Their mouth closes, their eyes become almost demon-like, staring at this tug, that is focus. And that is what we want. We want a dog that almost stops everything they're doing and becomes a statue when you pull out their reward. Now they are focused. And if they believe that you have the reward all the time, they will become focused like that on you, which is exactly what we want, right? We want our dogs focused on us, but still able to perform their tasks. We are always the underlining focus. Even if they're chasing after somebody, they should have in their back of their mind, Dad and mom might stop me. Dad and mom might stop me. Once they stop me, I gotta turn around and go back. I can't keep chasing this guy. I gotta turn around and come back. So in the back of their mind, they should be always listening to you and thinking about you. Okay? So you got to pick the right energy level. Otherwise, you're going to have a harder time in training, and you're going to have to spend more time fixing behavior problems. But to have the quickest turnover, to have the most efficient dog, you need to have the right energy level, and you need to have the right temperament, which is next. But for energy level, I want to say one more thing. As I mentioned before, you reward breeders financially. We're giving you out-of-control dogs. If everybody in the industry changed and said, you know what? We don't want out-of-control dogs. We want athletic dogs that are capable but have a clear head about them. If we select those dogs, breeders will only give us those dogs. They will only show us those dogs. And when they show us those dogs, we will now have a better pool of dogs to select from. We have to tighten our criteria, just like we do in training. We have to tighten our criteria for these breeders, for them to give us better results. So we've talked about purpose. We've talked about energy level. Now it's time for temperament, okay? Traditionally speaking, working dogs have had particularly intense temperaments. But that does not need to be the case, okay? There's stereotypes around working dogs not liking people and being dangerous. Again, that is not the case in all scenarios, but it doesn't have to be the case in general. The temperament of the dog should be friendly and accepting of people. As well as, overall, the dog should be pretty sound. Nothing should really bother the dog. Nothing should frighten the dog. And to do that, you have to do a couple different temperament tests. Yeah, you might have to spook the dog. You might have to throw something towards the dog and see what their response is. You might have to open an umbrella, if you know of the umbrella test. Right? You have the dog walk by. You have a pop-up umbrella. You press the button. It shoots out, and you see what the dog does. Some dogs are not going to care. They're just going to move about their business, and that is great. Some dogs will stop and investigate and then go about their business. And other dogs will have quite a dramatic reaction, where they will actually lunge or snap at the umbrella before realizing that it isn't going to hurt them. That dog is the one you don't want. Okay. Yes, this could be trained out. However, if you are trying to do working dog work, you don't have the time to train that out. You don't want to spend the time doing that. You want to spend the time doing the more complex, harder things so that you can have a dog ready to work faster. So you would not select that dog. You could select the second dog that just investigated because you can quickly train through and desensitize certain sounds and things. But the best dog in this case would be the dog that completely ignores it, acknowledges it, maybe looks, glances, and then just keeps going. Now, if a dog completely disregards all sound or explosive stimulus, it might be deaf I'm serious, it might be deaf, and you don't want a deaf dog on the police force as a working dog, okay? So you're going to have to determine whether it's deaf or not. Of course, you should be waiting until they're old enough, where their ears are open and their eyes are open, but some people like to start super early. So, do a temperament test, see what's going on there. You also want to get them to climb up on things go under things that they've never gone under before, get them into the car, you know, have them walk across a tarp or something that's awkward. All different types of floor. Okay, all of these things help you determine whether this dog is going to need a lot of work socializing to the world or it's going to need a minimal amount of work. Now, the age does play a role in this. If you have an older dog, if you're getting a one-year-old dog that you're going to start training with, all of this should be trained out by this point. They might have basic obedience, and they should be capable of going on all of these surfaces. The secret is to look and see how they act on all of these surfaces. Do they act confident and collected, or are they just getting through it? All right, a dog that doesn't like tile might not want to stay on tile, but he'll walk across tile, and he'll get to the other side And when he gets to the other side, he'll be happy he got to the other side, but he didn't care about getting on the tile in the first place. You want a dog that's almost happy to go on the tile. It's happy to go on weird surfaces. It's happy to be climbed up and and going upside down on things. You want a dog that's happy to do those things, not a dog that just gets through them. We want them to be eager. Thank you for listening to the episode if you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged dogs please share it with them you can post it on facebook we are also on every social media platform so make sure you tag us matador canine you can also head over to matador canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.